Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, we love our kids, don't we? And we're so excited that they're in the service with us. Is there any kids in the room? <laughs> Levi's asleep already. Um, hey, mate. <laughs> um, but they say the most outrageous things sometimes, don't they? Uh, whether it be you're on, you know, on, on the way, you're all packed to go on your holiday and you're backing out of your driveway and you get hit with the first, are we there yet, at the bottom of the drive? which I'm sure is at its prime usage of being we're in the middle of school holidays at the moment. Or if you're you know, at a Christmas service or something like that and Pastor Tash has got a Jesus Storybook Bible out and you're sitting with some child who decides to yell out, I've got that book at home and I've finished it. What's probably more interesting is how our children communicate with God and I've come across a couple of prayers as an example I've got them on the screen. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works for my brother and I. (laughs) Or, dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I actually asked for was a puppy. (laughs) Or, dear God, are you really invisible? Is that just a trick? (laughs) Dear God, we read that Edison made light... But in Sunday school, they said, you did it. I bet he stole your idea. <laughs> or, dear God, if you, let the di- if you didn't let the dinosaurs go extinct, we would not have a country. I think he did the right thing. <laughs> the mind of a small child is intriguing, isn't it, to those who consider themselves fully grown adults. The world remains a mysterious place to be explored and discovered. Their minds are inquisitive and they have no limits to their imagination. Nothing is impossible because hard and fast knowledge hasn't yet taken over yet. They're accepting of the expanse of the world and its creator God like a child. And Jesus himself has endorsed the imagination, explorations and questions of children And during his ministry made a point to his disciples not to hinder the children coming to him for the kingdom of heaven is for those such as these. We seem to allow children to have these boundless worlds and say outrageous things, don't we? Because, well, they're children. But when Jesus says something that goes beyond our neat and tidy box or says something that feels impossible or outrageous even, we tend to reason with it, make it more palatable, or just pretend he didn't say it at all. So if you've got your Bibles with us, uh, with you today, or your Bible apps on your phones, we're going to open to Matthew 6, 25 today as we continue in our peace series where I believe there is one of the most outrageous Jesus quotes in his whole teaching. 
Many of you would have just done a double take and thought, wait, Jesus is outrageous. Did you just say those in the same sentence? And yeah, I did. But I think if we read this and think, I've heard that before, or thanks for the advice, Jesus, then I think we've missed the deeper calling of this passage. So will you read with me from Matthew 6, verse 25 and following? And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A friend of mine asked me out for coffee a few days ago as I was preparing for this sermon, and I said I wanted to just take a rain check and catch up a little bit later when I knew this sermon was done and all neat and tidy and ready. Then he asked me what I was preaching on. So I tentatively told him, and he said, don't worry about it. Just tell him that you've decided to go out for coffee for me, and you've decided to put the passage into practice, and they should go and do likewise. But that's just what makes it so outrageous to me. Like Jesus says, like it's just that easy. Just don't worry about it. Like, see, look at the birds. They don't worry. Look at the flowers. They don't worry. So just pick up your game. Doesn't seem very caring, does it? Aside from the offer to provide for our needs, just as God provides for those birds and those flowers, it seems quite flippant of Jesus. Can I get a show of hands who finds it easy not to worry? That's what I thought. (laughs) But if we want to hear this passage of Scripture and follow it, like actually want to follow it, it's got to make its way deep into our hearts in a way that a surface reading may not. But today, let's work together and see if we can begin to understand a little bit more about what Jesus is going on about here. Like a child who sees a problem to overcome and transforms or shapeshifts or role-plays a character that's can solve the problem for them, we're going to seek to transform our understanding to be able to better apply this passage to our lives. So, what is worry and why do we worry? 
Well, if we look at the passage we just read, immediately before it is the passage where Jesus is telling us not to store up our treasures on earth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There our hearts will be also. In Western culture, our hearts are the center of our emotional being. They are where we feel. That is why it's, that's why we say, I love you with all of my heart. That's why we say, my heart aches. That's where we feel things. Anxiety is also emotion felt by the heart, which is defined by escalating loss of control, worst-case scenario thinking and total uncertainty, carrying feelings of tension, worried thoughts and physical side effects such as heightened blood pressure. Anxiety can exist both as a state and a trait. That is, it can be either a long-term characteristic of an individual, for example, those who feel and experience clinical anxiety or depression and other mental health conditions. These longer-term conditions are often the reason that I find a passage like this can come across as difficult to swallow or quite flippant. And I don't want to minimise the deep struggle that many have with these kind of things because they are very real. But anxiety can also be very short-term, situation-based and temporary, leaving all of us in positions in which we could experience these feelings at any time, giving the right circumstances. And aren't we in quite a circumstance at the moment? While our passage mentions worry, not anxiety, it's important to lay this foundation because, as Brené Brown says, worry and anxiety go together. She said, worry is not an emotion. It's the thinking part of anxiety. A chain of negative thoughts about bad things that might happen in the future. And Mark Twain put it this way, just to illustrate it for us. I've lived a long life and had many troubles most of which never happened. Last year, I took a significant portion of time off for burnout. I thought it was that simple. I've been struggling over overworking myself for a couple of years, and I thought, if I just take this time, I'll be able to rest and come back, and everything will be fine. Well, it turns out everything was not fine. I was living the inside out, movie in my life. There was pain, anxiety, worry, mental health stuff popping up all over the place like it does in the movie. Not only was I exhausted, but I identified with this chain of negative thoughts about bad things that might happen in the future. And I remember verbally saying to a number of people here that I don't know whether I'll be able to worship lead again. I don't know whether I'll be able to preach again. I don't know whether I'll be able to come to church again. And that shook me. That was really hard. And it's probably by God's grace that I'm here this morning. But that's just what worry does. It's so uncomfortable with uncertainty that it's got to project the picture of where your current circumstances or your perceived current circumstance will lead you. It draws your focus, it sucks you into its whirlpool, it makes you believe that you need to rely on your own understanding to pull yourself out of this mess that you may or may not be in. And our response 
maybe just to ignore it, but doesn't mean the pull is any less strong. The worry eventually becomes the main event in our lives and we can't focus on anything or anyone else. Uncertainty creeps in, fuels our anxiety and our worry. As we see in our passage, when we are uncertain, we often do things that the birds and the flowers don't do. Store away in barns, lack generosity, hoard toilet paper, and protect ourselves from the supposed impending doom, right? Well, it's easy to say, well, birds and flowers are not complex like we are. They do not think and feel and have the capacity for the understanding that we do. But if we come from a, from a slightly different angle, do they have any more certainty that God will provide for them than we do? Of course not. But the Father provides what they need, which Jesus promises for us also. This is what Jesus means when he says, do not worry. I don't think Jesus is being flippant here. I think he's calling us to refocus, to transform our understanding, to see beyond our little cabbage patch. You see, it's not because Jesus didn't understand. There's probably many instances in the Bible where we see Jesus feeling weak, feeling anxious, or feeling worried. In Hebrews 4, it says that we do not have a high priest who is unfamiliar with our weakness. But just because Jesus was familiar with our pain or our worry doesn't mean he chose to focus on it. He experiences it, but then he trusts God with it. He experiences it, and then he trusts God with it. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was faced with the prospect of his own death and was praying to his Father, so stressed that he was sweating blood, Luke tells us, Do you think that worry and anxiety was there? Of course it was. But he says, not my will, but yours be done, O God. He experienced it, but then he trusts God with it. There's a wonderful verse in Proverbs 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding, because that causes us to focus on our worry and our anxiety. Instead, we should lean into God in trust. It sounds easier than it is because we are so used to our culture who says that we can mould our own destinies. But this is not what God wants for us. This is not how God designed us and therefore not the mantra we should live by. Well, my son Levi is super obsessed with the TV show Paw Patrol. There are a team of super puppies who each have their own special skill set who are led by a 10-year-old boy named Ryder. The Paw Patrol's lookout overlooks a city called Adventure Bay and their job is to keep the bay safe. On the show, Ryder's tagline is, whenever you're in trouble, yelp for help. And the residents of Adventure Bay feel safe knowing that the team of super pups is just one call away. In a way, they place their trust in a team to look out for them and keep them safe. And this is the same desire that God has for us, to approach him at any time 
and trust him with our worries and our fears. And the peace that comes is the way that we feel safe in his care. In exploring this idea of trust, Pete Enns discovered that we already use language as followers of Jesus that implies trust. Our English language just poorly represents the fullness of the original word. He notes that the words believe, faith and trust all come from the same root in the Greek, which is pistis. Everyone say pistis. Now, pistis is also an action word. It goes beyond a list of beliefs that we may have about God or those that we have to be a Christian. When the words are seen in the Bible, they imply an action towards a person. So if you believe someone or you believe in someone, it's an action word. And the only action translation we have in English is trust. This place is a greater depth to say the father of the boy whom Jesus casted out an unclean spirit who says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Meaning, I trust you, help me when I don't. Or applying to our passage, I trust you, but help me when I worry. Ends also highlights our use of amen at the end of prayer. Prayer is so important amid in uncertainty, worry, and anxiety. In prayer, it's our opportunity to lay before God all our thoughts and all our feelings. Be aware of him in our space and allow him to care for us. But the word that we actually say, uh, that we usually say to indicate to God that we're done talking to him actually has a deeper meaning. Not only that we're done talking, but it's a declaration that the matter is now in God's hands and that we trust him with it. Enns also has a quote that I just remembered just before. It says, Trust explodes the need for our worry. It blows it away. It crowds it out. But I think trust is our pathway to peace. True peace. The peace that comes from God. Because who here wants to experience the peace of God today. So we talked about what worry is and that we do it in reaction to uncertainty. However, when faced with uncertainty, Jesus tells us not to focus on our worry, but when we experience it, we trust God with our circumstance. We've spent time with the pieces of the puzzle and like children, transform them into a new understanding, but just gaining more knowledge is not our goal here. We need to know how we can really do what Jesus says and put his words into practice. So how do we do that? Mark Manson wrote a blog post at the turn of the new year in which he said that he wasn't a huge fan of goals and New Year's resolutions. I've heard many people hate on these before, but No one really gives a reason beyond, well, they're just dumb or they're not for me. But Mark did. He said that everyone talks about losing 10 kilos or changing careers or getting a promotion, but many don't talk about the skills that they're going to need to get there. It's all well and good for us to want to walk out here today and say, I want to worry less and trust more. But if you lack the skills to actually do this, you'll get back into the same patterns tomorrow. 
One of the key skills or practices which I believe goes along with trust is vulnerability. Vulnerability is something that by many is viewed as weakness, but they will be wrong. In times of worry and anxiety, vulnerability is felt at its peak. In relationships, there's a certain amount of vulnerability that's required in order for it to work, isn't it? Have you ever tried to be friends with someone who refuses to share anything personal about themselves? It's hard work. Vulnerability is required to build trust. But as Brene Brown says, it takes a great measure of courage to be vulnerable in the face of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. But I believe the greatest show of courage has already been seen in our history when our Lord made himself completely vulnerable for us, submitting to a cruel death on a cross. He has gone first. So the ball is in our court. Are we going to be vulnerable as we approach King Jesus in relationship that he invites us into? He, being familiar with our weakness, knows we struggle with worry. He knows we struggle with doubt. He knows we struggle with anxiety, with unbelief, and our ability to trust. But if that is the case for you, why do we come to church pretending that everything is okay? Jesus said that God knows what we need before we even ask. He won't be surprised or think any less of us for being fully vulnerable and sharing with him, even on a Sunday morning. He wants our trust, which can only happen through presenting him with our uncertainty and having the courage to trust him anyway. Through this, we give God the opportunity to show us that he is indeed faithful and trustworthy, and cares for us more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And it gives us the opportunity to experience his peace. So I want to encourage you, literally put courage into you to be vulnerable with God today. Share your worries and trust and focus on him. Allow him in. Experience his peace through putting your trust in him and allow him to bless you with his mercies that are new every morning. And as we close today, I wanted to do two things. I thought it fitting to pray together a prayer prayed by a Trappist monk named Thomas Merton, which is a declaration of trust amidst the uncertainty. This may be exactly what you need to pray today. Or you could pray it in solidarity with those around you. And then following this, Liam and Esther are going to present a song called Peace in which we can reflect on the promise of peace that God gives us amongst our worry and anxiety. So let us pray together. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. 
nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be the lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Lord, I know you have heard my prayer. This matter is now in your hands, and I trust you with it. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.